at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday the 2nd of May, and we have passed the post on the official start to the Carnival in Adelaide and, of course, the Carnival here in Brisbane, both simultaneously kicking off yesterday. We'll have a look at Morfordville shortly and then dissect Eagle Farm. Nathan Exelby is going to be with me right through the, the Brisbane Carnival, well, the South East Queensland Carnival, for the next... Ten Sundays. Good morning. Welcome back. It's nice to be back, David. Good morning to you and listeners. Uh, been wasn't quite nice weather-wise yesterday. <laughs> yes. uh, we had a mix, but well, we never really a mixed bag at Eagle Farm. It was a pretty ordinary day all day, but then they really tumbled down before race four and during race four. Yeah, that was um, incredible scenes during that race. And Chief Steward Peter Chadwick said he wouldn't have sent them out had the the rain been as heavy when they were leaving leaving the enclosure. We started on a good four, went to a soft five, went to a soft six. Probably got a little worse than maybe most expected it might be. I mean, we've never sort of been in a situation like this for some time where, you know, raining during the day and torrential rain. Yeah, that's right. I think the race Slow Hands one, that would be one of the slowest miles they've run at Eagle Farm since it's been back. But then I think as the day wore on, so the, the last race, for instance, I think it was it was on the improve again. Yeah, for sure. OK, let's go to uh, Morfordville. They've got three, or they had yesterday, and they've got two big Saturdays coming up. But yesterday we had two Group 1s with the... Australasian Oaks and also the Tab Classic. Let's go to the Oaks first up. Big field here, Steinem and Heller, they dominated the market. Heller's now placed under pressure, turning in. Cyrileo Miss lays down the law. Cyrileo Miss goes to Heller. Flying mascot ecumenical joining in Ripper Rita and wider out Media Award. Media Award Ripper Rita. They sweep up to hit Cyrileo Miss, who's fighting strongly the rail. Ecumenical Media Award personal late. Media Awards in front. Media Award. It's hers to savour the Australasian Oaks. Media Award from personal. Maybe flexible through for third ahead of Ripper. Rita, Cyrileo Miss Ecumenical, Brooke Spire, and wider out American Angel. Then Stein and Miss Gobkane. It was an upset result, at least the price told us that. $61 media award, Luke Nolan writing, and uh, she was the, the best uh, the best filly on the day, Nathan. Yes, she was, and she'd come off a, a win against older horses um, there leading into it. I, I see another sort of a fairy tale, David, a $5,000 yearling purchase. So they're there for those needles in the haystack for people to find, and a terrific story. Well, let's delve into this story about Media Award, and the man who's going to be able to tell us at uh, left, right and centre is Chris Calthorpe, the trainer. Chris, good morning, and firstly, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, and uh, good morning to you. Big big time for you in your training career. Your first group one, first starter, yeah, first starter, first runner. Oh. I, I can get used to it. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about we said? Uh, we said it was is an upset because of the price, sixty one dollars. But tell us what you thought about her chances going to the race because she was coming off two wins. Look, we obviously I had, I, I had a plan which I, I sort of hatched with the owners going back four or five months ago. Um, and when she won her maiden, and then obviously when she won her 64 race at Geelong, sort of ticked two boxes there that we thought, well, now all we do is get in the Australasian Oaks. And I remember being at the races at Geelong when she won, and she won quite impressively. And one of the owners come up to me straight away and said, mate, we're 50s in the 15s for the Australasian Oaks. And I said, oh, that, you know, that's brilliant. All we do now is get a start. <laughs> and then... Sort of for the next 10 days, there's obviously been a lot of media. You know, obviously, you know, she's a $5,000 purchase. I'm a small trainer. You know, you sort of fairy tale sort of stuff. But her form wasn't... Well, I always thought she'd be a top four or five chance in the race. Mm. Um, she's shown me a lot at home. Everyone that rides her, from, you know, Luke Nolan, yes, he did, to Ollie, to Damien Thornton, to Jack Martin, even Michaela Lawrence when she rode her at her first start and she missed a start by 20 lengths. Her sectionals that day showed that she could gallop. And Noel Phillips, who does a lot of my track work, and my main gallops sort of said to me the last six months, he goes, mate, we've got a very, very nice filly here. Everything's effortless, does it all, so economical, never comes back blowing. And... To tell you the truth, I was surprised. I didn't realise that she got out to seventy dollars or whatever price she was because even yesterday morning, I think she was only twenty three dollars. Mm. And some good judges, you know, David Gately had her in a top four, James Jordan had her in a top four, and her, 
there was nothing in her form to, to suggest that she should get out to that price. But we're not a betting stable, so that, that was irrelevant to us. We just thought that we had the right horse on an upward spiral, spiral because, you know, she was third up. She'd gone 1450, 1700 into 2000. She was fresh. My only concern was the barrier. And when I got to Adelaide yesterday, there was a lot of talk that, you know, it wasn't a heavy track bias, but you had to be sort of on the fence and close to the pace. And I thought, well, that's sort of going to make it tricky for, for Luke to do that from take 13. She was able to sustain a, a long run, and she had a good one chasing her in the, the VRC Oaks winner, so it's, it's a genuinely good form race. Is that it now, Chris, or, or do you press on further into the campaign? Um, that's, a, that's a very good question. There's a chance, and I'll, I'm in at, we're in Adelaide now, obviously I'll, I'll take her home today. We tend to head up north maybe to your Oaks, um, which I found out this morning with Warren Hartley's about the 5th of June, so that's sort of a month away. Yeah. Which, timing-wise, could be nice. You know, we can give her a nice week at home on the farm in the paddock at Aintree Park, and she wouldn't need another run. She just needs a couple of, you know, good gallops and maybe a trial. So that's an option. Or do we tip her out and get her ready for the spring? Um, obviously, now, being a Group 1 filly, she sort of puts herself into that category where... You can't sort of go through your grades anymore. So, look, we'll just have to get her home and look at a few options and weigh it all up and see. We'll get her home and see how she's over the next two or three days before we make any decisions. But I think Queensland's an option, obviously, because I can get her on a plane and get her up to Toowoomba, and that's a lot easier than getting on a truck and driving eight hours. So, yeah, we'll weigh all that up. But she's lightly right. She's only had six starts, and even yesterday... She'd come back like she could have gone around again tomorrow. So I'm not sure whether we've got to the bottom of it yet, but mm. that's something we'll find out in time. Yeah. The other good thing, Chris, about the Oaks up here in Queensland, uh, traditionally it's run over 2,400 metres, but this year, even at Eagle Farm, the Oaks is 2,200. So it's not like a jump from 2,000 to 2,400. It'd be 2,000 to 2,200, $600,000 and as you say, uh, the timing's not too bad either, being a month away. Yeah, look, um, it was that was brought to my attention last night that it was 2,200, not 24. Mm. And I've always had in the... Part of my plan was to run today, to run yesterday, obviously hoping to win it, but, you know, that was that was the, the final scheme. But there's there's also that 2,500-metre race here in a, in a fortnight in Adelaide, mm. which... That was one of our goals, too, if we were competitive in Australasian Oaks. And I spoke to Damien Thornton when he went on her client, and he said, I just think she's a bit too brilliant to run 2,500. And that's one of the beauties of having blokes like Damien Thornton and Damien Oliver and Luke Nolan and even Noel Phillips. They ride and work. They give you very good feedback. And as much as you'd like to think she'd run 2,500, 2,000 to 22 probably seems to be, you know, like her ideal trip. So... The Oaks being at Eagle Farm and run over 2,200 could be, you know, a, a good stepping stone for her in the next month if we were to proceed and go forward. Chris, you told Press yesterday that, that you thought that there would be a big night out somewhere. Did you live up to expectations there? <laughs> yeah, it was quite big. Um, we ended up at a we had, ended up in some Chinese restaurant in, uh, in Adelaide when the people there were looked fantastic, looked after us really good. <laughs> And then had a couple of friends. Well, Matty Gat flew over from Melbourne. He caught up with him late last night, and you know it was a it was a good night. There was a lot of a lot of happy people, a lot of first time owners. You know, it's their first horse, so they've had a bit of a bit of a thrill. And then there's you know other owners in it who some of them are winners since 1988. So um, it was a big night, a big afternoon, and <laughs> now we get in the truck and drive home. We've got to run it out. Been going get home and do it all, start it all again tomorrow and try and find another good horse. Chris, you talked about uh, getting on a horse on onto the plane to Toowoomba. Well, many of us know that you know plenty about horses and planes, but some of our listeners might. There's another side to Chris Calthorpe, not training horses, of course. Tell us about, I suppose, your real job in life. Yeah, my real job. We've had, uh, my brother and I, David, we've had, uh, um, we've had the, the business of flying horses domestically around Australia. All the carnivals probably the last 25 years. So when um, 
when you see all those, you know, or last Tuesday I flew up six, I think five for Anthony Friedman and one for uh, Mike Maroney up to Brisbane, up to Toowoomba. So when people see these horses in Perth and, and Brisbane and Tasmania um, and they've gone by a plane, where that, that was us, we're like a travel agent. So I've, I've seen a lot of good horses get on planes, a lot of Group 1 winners, and you know, handled a lot of them and travelled with a lot of them. And it was always... Not so much a dream, but I thought I used to sit there and think, geez, wouldn't it be good to have a good horse one day to take around Australia? And um, yeah, that's our that's our main business, getting horses from A to B by air. So hopefully, we won't be able to do it with one of our own. Chris, what about I'm, I'm interested in this uh, with horses travelling by air? Do most of them handle it well, or do you get a few that that that, that don't handle it, like they're bad travellers? Most of them, most on the on on the uh, on par, most of them travel pretty good. Um, like, like I said, we took six up to Toowoomba last week and none of them got sedated. Most of them handle it good. The, the initial part of going sort of from where we load them to the planes is a bit daunting because you're out in a tarmac and there's planes going around everywhere. But once you're in the plane, travel a lot. The, the plane travels a lot smoother than obviously the truck on a road. You're not going around roundabouts and traffic lights and having people chop you off and, you know, straight up, smooth flight, straight down. Um you, you, it's interesting because, like I said, I've been doing it 25 years. I've watched a lot of horses. They're not, they're not, they're not dumb animals. They, they brace themselves for landing and they brace themselves for takeoff. You can see them move their body. So, and you'll find that if they travel good in a truck, even even horses that travel bad in a truck will travel good on a plane. So, for whatever reason, I'm not sure, but they just seem, like I said, it's probably a lot smoother. And, and I think there's a bit more room in there. You know, some people think oh, it's a plane. And they look tight in there, but they get in there and they get comfortable. And yeah, we've only in 25 years, I think we've had maybe one or two major dramas. That's about it. So it's a pretty good strike rate. Many trainers will say we need more planes in the air for horses. We need more air transport. Is that a, a is that a valid argument? Oh, most definitely. Um, we've always had we've always had issues. You know, I've had issues getting horses to Queensland in the past. I've had horses getting I've had issues getting horses to Perth. Because at the end of the day, if you can, you know, when you're travelling by road, if you go to Brisbane or Perth, you've got to give yourself, you know, two weeks, sometimes a week, and the horses are away from home. And in the way things are set up in the moment in this current climate, you've got to send staff there away from home. So all your all your exes build up, you know, staff being away, hire hotels, all that type of stuff. And if you can get planes and leave horses at their home and take them as late as possible for their main race, one, you're saving a lot of stress on the horse, saving yourself a lot of money in overheads, and your travel time. You know, like you can go, you can go from Flemington to Eagle Farm, leave Flemington, go to Melbourne Airport, fly to Warmer, back to Eagle Farm. You can do it in sort of probably eight hours door to door, six hours door to door. If you jumped in a truck and left Flemington in six hours, you'd probably only just be at the border. You know, to New South Wales or just into New South Wales, so. It's got to be a lot easier for the horse. And at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're group one athletes, you know. They're, they're like anyone who goes to the Olympics or any sort of sport. So what would you give them the best treatment? 100%. Look, good luck uh, with whichever path you head with Media Award. Congratulations again on yesterday. But one more question. This is the most important question for our listeners. How will that horse at Bendigo go today? Um, he's a nice horse. He's a very nice horse. He He's... He's a very good each way chance. Um, I need his name. His name is Euro Dandy. Euro Dandy. He had, he had one start at Geelong. Joe Bowditch rode him. Got sort of held up in traffic. Finished off nice. Um, he's drawn a good barrier today in the middle of the track, which will give, give him a bit of room, galloping room. And the winkers go on. Joe's stuck. Um, not going there thinking he's a moral, but we think he's got a very bright, bright future and he's going to be a lovely three-year-old. So... Yeah, I think you have something each way, you might not be losing. It's $23 and $5 the place, Chris. It's a good price. Yeah, but she went around $80 or something, didn't she, yesterday? So <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had a lot of owners last night with a lot of money in their pockets, I can tell you that. We're starting a bit behind the eight ball because we weren't on it. But anyway, mate, good luck and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Cheers.
Chris Calthorpe, the trainer of Media Award. I can't find Media Award in the Queensland Oaks market. So, mm. um, and Chris will have to be uh, remember that the noms close Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. So we'll know a lot more about those group ones um, after Tuesday, David. But it would it would be nice to see her here. And uh, I think it, logical, as he said, she's only early in a prep. It's um, mm. she hasn't been over over raced, and you know, there's. You know, those Group 1 targets, they're not there every day. and It only gets harder once you turn four, so exactly it's hard right. to turn your nose up at it, I would think. The uh, Hella went terribly. I checked the stewards' report. They they spoke to the jockey, and he said uh, just didn't respond. There was no uh, no abnormalities on a subsequent vet check, so she just went too bad to be true, you would think. Yeah, obviously she's a lot better than that. And Steinem, who was heavily backed as well, sort of failed to flatter after having a pretty soft run on the inside. Yeah, I meant to say to Chris, too, I'd like to watch these races in replay and watch the winner and think, you know, was it an easy watch? Was it a painful watch? Mm. She always travelled well. She yes. was three wide with cover and, and, you know, chimed at the right time. So congratulations to the Connections of Media Award and hopefully we can see her here in Queensland on Oaks Day, which is June 5. Let's go to the other Group 1. and This was the Tab Classic, a big field and a wide betting race. Sister kept going, 250 metres to run. Night Raid joining in, Mudasira lets down, subpoenaed. Instant Celebrity runs through on the rail, Bams on fire follows through. Pretty Brazen, Ruby Saki wider out. Instant Celebrity with a turn of acceleration exploded to the lead and she'll take the tab classic brilliantly. Instant Celebrity from Sapina and Ruby Saki. Pretty Brazen, Brooklyn Hustle, Prophet's Thumb. Then Bams on fire, Liar, Paul's Regret. Followed by Hummer, Hummer, Mutasira. Instant celebrity didn't go round a horse. Craig Williams riding for the Phillips, Phillips Stokes stable and uh, she stamped her class. We knew she was above average already, but um, she was good there yesterday. And I know she didn't go round a horse, but looking at the sectional breakdown, they didn't go overly hard. Generally in this race, they, they'll, they'll go full tilt, but the pace yeah. was, was controlled. So she's delivered a really good sectional. Yeah, she was the... The boom filly early in the, the the spring wasn't she winning the, the thousand guineas lead up? She she ran well in the thousand guineas, but maybe she's better at these more dynamic at the shorter courses, David. Yeah, but Philip Stokes is on a plane this morning, so we can't mm. talk with him. But uh, her next step seems to be, or more than likely, will be the Goodwood, yeah. where she's gone from seventeen dollars into eight. And um, I was saying, or thinking about her. I wonder if she'd be a Tats Tiara prospect. She'd be a perfect horse for the Tats Tiara. So that was only second up yesterday. So it will be interesting. I'm sure Steve or one of the boys will follow up with with Philip Stokes early this week and um, determine whether that's an option for I her. I thought you were going to do that in your BRC role of getting all I'm these Happy good to do horses. that, David. I'll do that and let you know. Just write that down. For another little job to do today. <laughs> hey, what about this Goodwood um, before we leave Adelaide? Um, <laughs> It's amazing that this year is just dominated by South Australian sprinters, mm. you know, and they've got the lion's share of the main chances. A great chance of winning Behemoth, $4. Gitra, who jumped out well Tuesday. It's all systems go now. $4, their co-favourites. Bo Rosser won the Tobin Bronze yesterday for Will Clarkin. Looks as though he's a Goodwood contender. $8. Instant Celebrity, $8. Kemal Parser, one of South Australia's best sprinters at $10. So the top five of the market... Are all the South Australia? Yeah, that's a good deep race, isn't it? With the proven two Group 1 horses at the top and then the the, the promising three-year-olds um, on the next lines of betting. It makes it for a really interesting race. Ruby Saki, out of that race we just listened, she's headed to Brisbane for the BRC Sprint next time out. The BRC Sprint is on the 22nd Second. of May. So next Saturday, of course, at Morfordville will be the Derby, the SA Derby, and then, of course, the Goodwood the following week. Just look, having a look at that Derby market, uh, Explosive Jack, $4 with Laquiro at four fifty, Deep Strike, 6 Senor Toba, 6 Royal Mile at 9 $10 or better the others. But again, like, like the Oaks yesterday, like the Goodwood, it's quite a deep race. Let's turn our attention to Eagle Farm. As we said, uh, the conditions were pretty ordinary weather-wise, but the racing was good. We had two Group 2s and a listed race. We'll go to the, the first of the Group 2s. This is the Victory Stakes. To the turn now, 4.50 left to Rana. Faseeker is going to turn in front. Tricky gives it about three lengths and Bowman is looking for runs to come in the straight though. Faseeker leads away from Emerald Kingdom. Tricky now being called upon full bore. He's getting to the clear and he's coming after Faseeker and coming after it very strongly. Vega one right down the outside. Tricky raced up to Faseeker. Hit the lead. Vega went up to third. Then the Odyssey. Tricky's in front narrowly. Look at Nick and over. Flying home. Tricky no good thing. Nick and over. Right along 
the inside. Got up and beat them all. Vega one second. Photo third. Panino in a photo with Fasica. Then came Stampy. Trekking hit a big brick wall that last 50 metres. Then Emerald Kingdom master Jamie Red Chase. And last over the line, the Odyssey. Nick and over. Not unnoticed in Benning either. It didn't surprise me. $15 down to 12 First up, of course, he ran second in the victory stakes last year before going to that very good third of the Stradbroke. But it was his yesterday, Group 2 victory. Steve Tregay, his owner, breeder and trainer, is our next guest on Pass the Post. Steve, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, David. What about, uh, listen to your post-race yesterday when you were talking to Bernie Cooper on, on Sky Thoroughbred Central. What were your confidence levels going into yesterday's race? Because he can run well first up. Look, he's a very versatile horse. He can run well first up. He can run uh, three weeks in a row, as we saw last time. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I was sort of thinking he could run a good race, but um, but he'd need the luck. You know, he'd need the speed on, which was probably going to happen. Um, didn't know about the rain uh, on Eagle Farm courses. Nobody knew about that, but he handles any sort of track, so um, that that was no concern. Actually, I didn't have any concerns about anything. He's just that sort of horse because he's unflappable and uh, and he handles any sort of track. He just needs the needs the luck in the run. That's all. They're sort of rare jewels, these horses, Steve, that just keep coming back preparation after preparation, season after season. But he's been doing it for a long time now. He cops his racing, and but then he just keeps turning up. Yeah, well, he's that sort of horse. Nothing worries him. You know, when he's at the races, he doesn't seem to be thinking at all about the races. He just, just sort of is in the moment all the time and doesn't really care. And, uh, of course, he didn't race as a two-year-old, which helps all horses, I believe. Um, so, you know, we've, we're lucky here that we can swap him backwards and forwards from the stables in town to the farm, and he sort of enjoys his life a bit, I suppose. You made a good point yesterday, post-race, and talk about enjoying life, that this time you were happy that he had a, a, a really decent spell. Yeah, well, last year, we, I just can't remember the exact circumstances, but was it last year, late last year, we were... When was the Epsom? Um, October. October, yeah, so yeah, it, is, it is last year. He, he'd raced well up here and there wasn't too many races into the future and, you know, he was seven-year-old and you've got to decide whether you're going to spell those horses for a considerable amount of time and just uh, concentrate on the bigger races or, or go into state and, and hope that the change in routine and environment doesn't affect them too much. Um, so he raced quite consistently. That was the busiest year he'd had last year even though he probably had only eight, eight or nine starts in the year. It was the busiest year he'd had. He's always been lightly raced. So, um, yeah, we were able to give him a good spell once he got once he got back. I was interested in your comments yesterday saying, you know, he's probably needed to win yesterday or, or race very well to keep his rating up. You sort of worried that he wouldn't get a start in a Stradbroke? Well, his rating was 103, which is still up there, and he probably would have got in. But, um, you know, I was just thinking that we don't have too many chances to correct the situation if he went badly or, or his rating went down, that's all. But, um, you know, the handicap has got that under control, I suppose. But, um, you know, I think he probably would have got in. But I, I don't think he was. I mean, he only had 52, I think, last year in the Stradbroke. So he was probably closer to the bottom than the in the top, but he, it was in my mind that um, you know it wasn't it wasn't impossible that he uh, wouldn't get a run. Well, Jimmy Orman just about had to cut off a leg last year. I think he rode him at fifty three and a half off a fifty three handicap. So, 53, yeah, is yeah. he going to prepare to put himself through? Uh, well, I suppose yesterday's going to help him out a little bit because it'll add a kilo or so to to him. But uh, he does anything to stick yeah. with this horse, doesn't he? I can see they put him up uh, two kilos, so. Um, yeah, that surprised me a bit. I thought he might get three, but he's got four so uh, points. So, um, yeah, he'll, it'll make it a bit easier, but it's a ballot-free race anyway. But it'll help uh, It'll help Jimmy for sure if um, if he decides to go that way. Steve, he turns eight in the next season. Will, are you cons- I know we're looking short-term at the Stradbroke, but further down the track, are you considering retirement or are you happy for him to still go around if he's... If he's fit and healthy and, and racing well, no, I'm probably more considering retirement for me than the horse. 
<laughs> no, he's he's perfectly sound horse. Um, he's just legs are clean. He's never had any um, issues other than accidents. So no, he'd be he'd be right to race on. Am I right in saying that that win yesterday puts him over the million dollar mark, Steve? That's right, just over. Yeah. Would that be the first one you've had that's earned that sort of money? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah I think Bergerac and Prioritise would be the next two. No, it's, a, it's a good milestone to achieve given the bulk of it's been earned here in Queensland. Yeah, it's great. He's won a couple of those good races at Burnborough last year and uh, you know, that, there's a couple of other good prize money races that helped him uh, helped him get up there, but it's certainly a milestone. I mentioned you're the owner, the trainer and the breeder. This mare, Dananova, did she race or not? She didn't uh she didn't race. She had a um, bone cyst in the stifle, so she was retired early to stud, but she then um died after her fourth fourth foal. Um but we do still have a full sister to her, a mare called Dane Princess, and she's had a couple of races yes. that go pretty good too. Another little ice horse ticking along well incentivised it's one of its last two. Yeah, he's taken forever that horse. He's extremely mature. He's the biggest baby ever horse we've ever had. I think he's a real sook, and we just he's a, br- a brother to Bergerac, and, and nearly everything out of the mare's been. I think she's thrown three stakes winners, so uh, we were persisting with him and getting sick of him and waiting for him to grow up, and uh, it seems like he finally has. Mate, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, always appreciate uh, the time that you can give us, and uh, continued good luck with Nickanova. We It's great to see Queensland horses perform well at this time of year, and we know if he doesn't win, he's really far away, but that was a a great start to the campaign yesterday. Continued good success. Yeah, thanks very much, David. Nathan. Steve Trigay joining us this morning. And uh, Nathan Nikonova is currently at $15 for the Stradbroke in what is an extraordinary market mm-hmm. because you've got Ayrton, who's yes. no guarantee of being in the race, at $5. He actually firm. How short is he? $5. The next pick of the market is $15, and it's a host of them. Behemoth, Mr Quickie, Nikonova, Prague, Skins, Vega One. And then uh, Fender Garibaldi. We'll talk about that later. Basically, taking five dollars about him winning the Fred Best and the Stradbroke because he has to win. We'll have, I assume he'll have to win a Fred Best to get in. It's a two-step operation if, it's, mm. if, you, if you have the bet. So the, the, there's an extraordinary boom on him mm. to be five dollars in a Stradbroke, and uh, as you say, he has to win that Fred Best race. It's a, it's a simple equation to get into the Stradbroke. So what about yesterday? Nick Inova, we've talked about him. Uh, what you see is what you get. He's one of our top liners and uh, continues to be. Vega 1 was good. Big tick for him. Um, Glenn Boss had just peaked on his run that last little bit. Panino, a bowler running third. Now, the main fancies, it was considered market-wise a two-horse race and trekking was very well fancied. I noticed there was a little gamble really late in the piece mm. on, on, the, uh, on the boards. A uh, bit of conversation last night that maybe he did look a little underdone, which is understandable. But I've got to say, taking all that into account, I felt by trekking's standards, it was slightly disappointing. Yeah, I mean, he cruised up as the winner, so that sort of tells you that it's, um, you know, he wasn't fully fit there. But you'd, you'd like to see them winning these races. And he's, it's fair to say, in the last couple of years, he hasn't won out of turn. He, he obviously won the Goodwood last year, but there's, you know, 10 other starts around that where he's been beaten. And a lot of time, the times he's been fancy, uh, you know, Mooney Valley and also over at Ascot last year. And now this one says, so now three in a row, short price favourite defeats. Rising seven years of age. Um, Brenton Avdala made the comment about Fasica that even though there was, there was rain, he said still sort of she'd prefer it maybe across the road at Doombin where she could really spring off the, the, the camber there. So um, she, she battled on well. Like Trekking had her cold and she's ended up in, in front of him. Let's go to the Group 2 Queensland Guineas. An Apache chased the Queenslander and the New South Wales Raider Private Eye had a fierce battle for favouritism. In the end, Apache Chase got the nod. Here's the replay. Coming up to the turn, Apache Chase is in the lead. Rolling with a flow, trying to get him in second. Then came Holyfield. Cucaracha, be one of my friend. Private Eye coming to the centre of the track and starting to weed into the margin. Then came Tumbler Edge. Apache Chase in front. Jockey Jim said, try and catch me. Chase me down if you can. At the moment, he's still the leader. Private Eye, slowly but surely. And Cucaracha running a race. 100 left to run. Apache Chase in front. Not the long. Private Eye has got him. Pri- 
Private Eye raced up, hit the lead, and moved clear and won the guineas. Beat Apache Chase, Cucaracha third, Tumbler Ridge fourth, then Holyfield, be one of my friend, and rolling with the flow, last over the line. Private Eye building a very impressive CV, six wins from nine starts, trained by Joe Pride, written by Breton Avdullah. And as Breton Avdullah said, uh, <laughs> was going nowhere coming to the turn. And for those who of us were on Apache Chase and actually calling the race, well, this looks all right. <laughs> but then things changed. Well, it did look all right because he looked in real trouble at the 600 and Avdullah said he thought he was going to run last. So he said it was like two different horses, one to the turn and then one thereafter. Interesting comments from trainer and jockey post-race, David, in terms of where this horse gets to. And I think we're going to tre- speak to the trainer now and s- sort of see what he's thinking the, the day after. He's the man who will tell us, Joe Pride, the trainer of Private Eye. Joe, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning. Thank you very much. Well, uh, can you answer the question for us um, after the dust has settled from yesterday? Where is Private Eye heading? Sure. Always um, never make a decision on a race course. So I came out <laughs> last night, had a good chat to Jamie. And I've got uh, the owners know this morning, but a scoop for you guys, and it's, and it's disappointing for you, but he won't be coming back to... Sorry, he will be staying in Queensland for a spell, but he won't race again through the carnival. OK, so he goes out He goes out a winner. But as we were saying, um, let's let's look at the, the longer term. What sort of horse do you think he can develop into? So distance-wise, for example. Yeah, look, uh, look I, when you watch him yesterday, it's hard to think he wouldn't run 2,000 metres, but I think he's a miler. I think he's a miler, and the race have really got in mind for him. We have had for a while, the only group, ship group know about this, is the, is the Golden Eagle. Against his own age, 1,500 metres. Look, it's still a fair way away, but I thought to give him his best chance of getting there, I would have, I was toying with the idea of wanting to run him in the Stradbroke, but he'd have to win again to get in there. Mm. And then it was a, a matter of, you know, there were six weeks further down the track, am I then giving him his best chance to develop? He won four in a row, had a 19-day break, come back, he won, had another three runs, that's enough for him, you know, for a, for a young and still immature horse, which, you know, you know, to give him credit, sort of puts, putting yesterday in perspective, he's not, he's not ready yet. Um, but what, what he's doing, when he, when he hits four and five years old, it will be, you know, infinitely better than what he's capable of doing now. So. Joe, there's a precedent for winning at Queensland Guineas and going on to a race, I assume, you're looking Golden, at in the spring, yeah. in the, 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 yep. the, the Golden Eagles. So that's the one you're looking at? Yeah, I think so, yep. Um, and he would sneak into an Epsom pretty light as well, which Colding mm. did. I think he carried 50 and a half. Um, similar sort of, you know, I mean, Colding, I think he won that at his, at his 11th start. Uh, the Queensland Guineas, my horse was his ninth start yesterday. So, you know, look, I'd love to think you turn out as good as Colding. He's been a fantastic horse for his connections. Um, and if you look after them, which, you know, Chris is... Uh, always does with his horses, and I like to think I do that as well. Uh, if you look after your horse, you can have them around for you know for a lot of seasons and have a lot of fun with them. So. Well, that's the private eye story. Now, you must have had a smile on your face on Friday when you heard that Nature Strip wasn't coming to the 10,000. Yeah, look, part of me loves those battles with that horse, and I, I wouldn't mind taking him on again. But look, if he's not there, then I'm certainly not disappointed, that's for sure. Um, but... Um, yeah, look, it, it certainly leaves the race open by horse, but don't take, don't take it for granted. There's some very good sprinters up there, and there might be some, uh, some coming from, from obviously here in Sydney as well, and Melbourne. So there's no easy group ones. He's the dominant favourite now, but we don't take that for granted. He'll trial uh, this Friday coming, okay. and Nash will be back in the saddle, and uh, really looking forward to, to the 10,000. I think Doombin should suit him down to the ground. Is it a difficult thing to keep them ticking over with that sort of month between runs, which is what it will be between the TJ and, and the ten thousand, Joe? Not for him. Not for him. He, he's he's a real um, he's a sort of uh, if I could compare him to a car, you could leave him in the garage for six months and he'd just click over and you know put the keys in and away he goes. He's he's a really adaptable, uh, durable sort of horse who 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 um, who's, who's very easy to um, very easy to keep him keep him fit. Um, he's a natural athlete. He um, he never carries any excess. So he had a week in the paddock, and um, he strives since coming back. And he's only had three runs this preparation. Yeah. So you know they were tough runs, um, but he has only had three runs. The Dooman Ten Thousand is a special race for you. You won it in two thousand and five with Red Egg. Was that your first Group One winner? It was. Yes. Yep. Sixteen years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that feels like a bit longer than that, actually, so that makes me feel a bit better. It was only 16 years, so I... <laughs> <laughs> of course, it was, it was 13.50 then. Anything else coming up for the carnival? Um, uh, look, for Seeker could come back. Um, you know, it was 
Look, the result was disappointing yesterday, but I thought the performance was very good. It was a strangely run race in the end, and the other was ones that sat up with her on speed all dropped off. Trekking got past her, and she went back past him again. So I thought there was plenty of merit in her run. She may come back. Um, Stockman, a star of mine, could come up and do some work tracks for him. Look, it, 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 more centres around Eduardo at the moment. We've had a good carnival so far. We've won a couple of races up there and looking forward to hopefully hopefully getting that 10,000 as well. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. We look forward to seeing you up here. Thanks very much. Thanks, Joe. Joe Pride joining us. And, uh, well, there it is. Private Eye goes for a spell. Yeah, so you can, you can understand it with that, that Golden Eagle and... and Winning that Group 2 sort of sets him up nicely for the spring in terms of qualifying for those races. Apache Chase didn't begin that well. I, I thought just from the lateral view he might have missed the start by a half or three quarters. It became significant then that he had to then work to get to the front. In saying that, I still thought he had his chance. Your thoughts? Uh, he got worked over a bit early. Yeah. Like I think they would have liked, you know, rolling with the flow sort of, he did work him there early and in the, in the end, Jim Byrne elected to... to to press on and, and go to the front, which is where he's at his best. At. But I think that possibly told on him at the end. I, I wouldn't give up on him from a mild perspective, but no. obviously their their game, their goal now will be to go back to the Fred Best and try and get into a straight break. And you make a good point that um, the overall time, and remember we were on, a, I think, a soft soft five now, 137.6, but the last 637.43, mm. so they've gone out in roughly a minute, and by Eagle Farm standards, that's pretty strong. And given the, you know, the two and a half seconds quicker than the slow hands race that sort of tells you that that they were hooking into it a bit early. And Cucaracha deserves a mention because he certainly wasn't far away. We've seen him here competitive in the past, so his run was good. You'd think Holyfield's sort of obviously struggling this preparation now, um, but the place getters put a big margin on the rest. From a broader point of view, from a, a, a different talking topic, uh, the Guineas being run yesterday, we ended up the field, we started yep. with 10 down to 7. Is that the right place for it? Look, I, I think that they'll give it a, a couple of years to see. Um, the winner program wasn't released until quite late this year, so I know a couple of trainers here in Brisbane have sort of pointed out, well, didn't know it was that early. So it was kind of swapped with the gun sinned, and that, that race there yesterday, David, probably fair to say, is in line with the quality of horses we've seen in a gun sinned in, in recent years. So be interesting to see whether the gun's in back on you know, it's the race that it's swapped with, whether it turns out stronger. Mm. OK, that was the guineas. Let's go to the other feature, the listed Del Rello. And we had three horses in betting contention here, but in the end, the, the, the two best back runners were Miss Hipstar and Stella Magic. At a controlled tempo, Fierce Warrior led 600 left to run. Referro sits up second three quarters back. And Miss Hipstar looks to be coasting in third. But Stella Magic not far away in fourth. Ashima trying to go forward, but wide. Then Military Gambler going with it. Well back into the straight, Berdini's girl. And then came the Stiff Meister, Dundas, and Most Dazzling. 300 left to run. Fierce Warrior tackled by Referro. Miss Hipstar coming at the pair. And Ashima descending at the right time. Stella Magic getting a run through now. Big Miss Hipstar reach the lead. Ashima's going with it and might be going better. Stella Magic can't reach them. Miss Hipstar, there's something in the locker. Stella Magic driving late now. Too late. Miss Hipstar beat home Stella Magic and Ashima. Berdini's girl fourth. Then came Fierce Warrior the Stiff Meister, followed by most dazzling Referro, Military Gambler and Dundas's last over the line. Miss Hipstar made an impressive return to the racetrack yesterday, winning the listed Dalrello first up and Kelly Schweder is her trainer. He's our next guest. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, David. Good morning, Nathan. How are you this morning? Pretty good. I was Sound terrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think. With male horses, when they're, they're, they're impressive looking, we call them athletic, handsome, strong. Now, she's the female version of that, but I need, what adjective can I use for Miss Hipstar? Is she a stunner? Is she a good looker? What, what can I use? She's just a big girl, and um, she's um, she looks like a four-year-old, David, but to look, and she always has. And, um, yeah, and she's got the kindest nature you'd ever wish to see. What I liked about the win yesterday, um, Cassidy put her into the right spot, but several times there in the straight, it was an anxious watch, but every time she was asked to, to respond or repel a challenge, she did it well. Yeah, she... she she went in the, that race. We got a little bit behind the eight ball um, with all the wet tracks, and we could only give her one jump out. And 
if you wanted to get into step with those um, better races later on, she had to run this week. So Larry was mindful that she was only had the one soft trial or, or, and... Um, you know, at the 200-metre mark, that horse on the outside looked to be going pretty well, even though it, it sat three and four wide, and I thought, well, for a fleeting moment, and then Larry sort of got into the last bit, and I thought she was probably strong on the line, actually. Larry described her as one of the laziest track workers he's ever come across. Do you concur with that? And, and if oh. that is the case, um, how do you get a guide on how they're going? Yeah, she's a shocker. Mm. She's a shocker. I mean, that's a bit like how we were... <clears throat> initially before she had her first start, you know, she, she she's an awful track worker. And then we put her in a jump there because Larry, you know, said, oh, she'll make a three or four-year-old. And we put her in a jump out and she went pretty well. And put her in another jump out and she went even better. So and she sort of was pretty well supported her first start in the race. But she's she's a shocker in a track work. Just does nothing. Looks at everything. It's interesting, isn't it? I remember the day at Ipswich, uh, she, she flew out and won a half-mile race. But you see that, but you look at her and you think she's definitely got the potential to be that, that 1,400, 1,600-type filly. Have you determined what path you head down now? Of course, there's a good two-year-old race on every week. Do you go two weeks to the Champagne or three weeks to the, the Carter? Yeah, well, you're right, though. She's so hard to get a line on, you know, and she's got... Such really good speed. Look, she was sort of coasting in third spot behind a good tempo yesterday. So a little bit untapped, a little bit unsure which way to go. That was why we run in that race to give us that option. You know, the normal path is the champagne two weeks later, the size two weeks later, the 1600. But to be quite honest, I'm still unsure. And I even think, you know, Larry's rode a lot of good horses and he's a little bit unsure too. So have a think about it in the next couple of um, days. And, you know, to be fair, that would have to take a little bit out of her yesterday because she dug in deep. She's, she seems fine this morning, but um, you really don't know until you sort of the next run. But you would think the logic option to give it a go at those good black tight races would be, you know, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. But, um, yeah, still not 100% sure on that. Um, I think she would settle. We've been trying to do that in her races and... Larry thinks with an alley she would, you know, she would go to sleep, but um, still not sure to be quite honest. She doesn't um, fill the normal pattern. She's due a barrier, Kelly. What she said: seven of nine, four or five, nine of ten, and fifteen of sixteen before nine of what eleven yesterday. Um, must saving be too soon. Saving up for the group ones, mate. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, no, very proud of her. Part owner Bart Sinclair wants to know what slow hands' path is over the winter carnival. Um, before I could sort of give him that information, I, I think he's going to drop me something over, a little gift. Well, it's got to be something, surely. <laughs> well, he, was, yeah, well, he, he, was, he was full of spirits after the last yesterday. He was in a very good frame of mind. He might have even had a wager, which is unusual these days, but I reckon he might have had a bet. But in all seriousness, he he's a good money spinner, slow hands. He, 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 if he... He doesn't win out of turn, that's fair to say. However, he's won now on two of his past four, but uh, he's really far away, so he earns all the time. Yeah, and I, uh, that's certainly the given the track with his go and, mm. and good tempo on and where he can get back and find the line is his go. So, um, yeah, look, there's another couple of races in, in him and he's um, such a lovely animal and um, I'm sure when he retires one day, he'll find a good own. He's a striking horse, isn't he? He's got pretty as he's got older with that beautiful tail. Yeah, no, it wasn't too good. Beautiful yesterday. It was a fair bit of mud, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Steph Thornton doing a good job as, as now the regular partner of Slow Hands. Hey, Kelly, thanks for your time this morning. Good luck with Miss Hipstar. Thank you. Kelly Schweder joining us. I like Miss Hipstar. I know we, we, we both sort of liked her through the through the summer and I jumped off yesterday. You've been very kind this morning to me, actually, David, given that your success yesterday and my lack of... Well, see, you brought it up. I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. Now you mention it, however. Um, no, well, I do. I, it would be remiss not to congratulate you on your performance yesterday. Was it four winners? Five. Five? Five. Okay, sorry. Now, Ashima sort of did what we've been seeing it does in Sydney. Yeah. Goes up to win and doesn't go on with it. And I was there watching the race and... If there's any other horse you think, well, this is home because Steph Thornton had it moved on, and and she was obviously mindful of of that as well. It goes for about fifty meters, and then Peter's out. So, um, 
you know, the, the winner just was too tougher and the, the runner-up ended up being touch better as well. The last race wasn't group or listed, but it created a lot of conversation and interest with two horses trying to get their ratings up for bigger and better goals ahead. And I'm speaking about Fender and Garibaldi. In the end, Garibaldi ran favourite over Fender. Is the replay. Interesting race coming up. Up to the turn, 500 left to Rana. Holy Command holding sway from Moonshine Lady. Bold style. Fender peels out three wide. Then Hard Labour followed by Center Fire. Garibald is now in the ruck. He's trying to get into the clear and push to the outside. But Fender is well in front of him. Fender went to Holy Command and Moonshine Lady. Then Bold style followed by Center Fire. Garibald, he gets into the clear now. Fender reached the lead. Garibald, he's going to come hard. Fender in front from Moonshine Lady. Garibaldi's running out of time. Fender's in front. Garibaldi flew too late. Fender beat Garibaldi. Third over the line was Moonshine Lady, then Bold Style. Hard Labour, Asherani, Holy Command, Centre Fire, and Potro Nero out at the end. The result was Fender beating Garibaldi. I think many would have left Eagle Farm saying that that doesn't end there. No, no, look... You always sort of feared with Garibaldi, the, the wide draw, whether he could give a good horse like that a start and a beating. And as it turned out, he was held up for a little way as well. That didn't help. So his his return was terrific. Um, you know, how he gets to some of those bigger races is the, is the question now. Um, Brett Kavanagh was more circumspect about Fender yesterday, saying he's happy to come back in 12 months for a Stradbroke and just let the horse work his way through the grades, David. He mentioned that race at Rose Hill on the 15th of May, the Luskin Star. Yes. And the other race he mentioned was the Morton Cup, which is... So, mm. to me, probably Fender will tell him what he's doing, but I don't think you're, you're right. I don't think there's any rush, and I think those other two races could be more likely targets. Yeah, that's right. And I, I guess that, then if he wins a Morton Cup, then the race is there a week later for you to run, and if you, if you want to do that... Um, but, you know, he's a good horse. and it, it really meant a lot Garibaldi winning yesterday because his only option seems to be... And, and you know, maybe a Stradbroke is a bridge too yeah. far for him as well at this stage would be that BRC sprint that we were talking about. That's right. And depending on numbers, um, you know, he's, would he be no good thing to get into there either? No, exactly right. Uh, I, I just felt... I felt that... that when Michael Rob was over on the fence, I, I, could, I couldn't understand that. I thought he might have been just going up three wide with cover in the middle part. But I will also say in defence of, of Michael Rod, the pace of that race was very average. Yeah, and the other thing was in the previous race, Nick Inova was able to... You know, the, the, the jockeys did want to get off the fence and, and allow those runs in the previous race. But in the last race, they, they held their line and in the end, he had to come around them. Desley Forster missed out with Apache chasing the Guineas, but it was a brighter result earlier in the day, and she deserved to win. It was her birthday yesterday, and Georgie's pride continued on her merry winning way. Hasn't she been a, a, a gold mine and a, a real fine for the stable? It might have been a brighter result for the stable, but it wasn't very bright during the running of that race. How'd you go with the... the no, well, it, I couldn't see them through the binoculars, and so I thought, I'll have to go to the television. Mm. It didn't look too flash either, but then they went to the head-on shot, and... Right. Um, where I was able to see the red light come on and then say, just called it off the television, which wasn't too bad. Mm. So uh, it uh, it was it was tough going for all concerned, I think, particularly for the jockeys. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just torrential. I, I was stuck over at the horse stalls during the running of that race, so I missed your call. But um, she's just so tough, isn't she? She was mass destruction, had her cold. and Had her cold, had her cold, and she just climbed off the canvas, so to speak. But no, Desley Forster made the point that he... he he bumped into her and she said that's the worst thing he could have done because it just gave her another urge along. Mm. Dr. Wynott's in good form as a winner. Traduced back-to-back. Victory 8. Victory 8 hadn't won a race since the Wayne Wilson last year. I think it was like 50 weeks ago. It was in the middle of May during the, the Bridge Carnival yeah. last year. It was big odds that time too and got up at good odds there yesterday as well. And We mentioned slow hands and we've listened to the other races. So that was Eagle Farm. We'll take a short break. Thanks for your company on Past the Post. Nathan Exelby and I with you this morning. We'll come back and listen to a couple of replays from the good meeting at Hawkesbury. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Feature race meeting at Hawkesbury yesterday. Several good races. Let's have a listen to a couple of them. We'll go firstly to the Hawkesbury Gold Cup. And the favourite here, Royal Celebration, went off at $3. 
Surreal Image topped the straight, a narrow leader. Graceful Glimmer, here's Arcademus onto the scene. Looks like Elvis back to the far side. Sikandrabad needs a way clear and Royal Celebration out wider. Arcademus hit the front at the 100. Royal Celebration about a half length away, trying to get there. Arcademus in front. Royal Celebration won't. Arcademus won it. Arcademus beat Royal Celebration. Third in a photo. Looks like Elvis, all purple sector. Then followed Graceful Glimmer, Surreal Image, Sikandrabad. Arcademus for Team Hawks winning. We've seen him up here before at Carnival Time. Mm. Uh, trying to remember who trained him then. The lady Wendell, trained him. Wendell Markle. Markle. That's right, yeah. Yep. Uh, he's a rising eight-year-old, but he's he's obviously had issues because that was only his 24th start yesterday for his ninth win. And second win in that, that race when he was with another stable. And obviously he won the... Was it the gong he won last November there at uh, That Kimble. was the case, yeah. And, and he seems a horse... I wouldn't be surprised to see him up here. We have a few of those good mile races. Yeah, well, the Hawks stable was sort of un, unsure yesterday. They said the... The scone, the scone cup is possibly the next mm. target, depending what sort of weight. And they said there may be something in Brisbane for him, but they weren't sort of bullish in in, in naming race. He was fancied in a Dooman Cup a couple of years back, wasn't he? And Kidnedder right. sort of led them up and went out a seven dollar fifty chance that day, but probably didn't see the trip out. Let's go to one of the other features. This is the Hawkesbury Guineas and Ellsberg, who we're expecting to see up here, was the favourite at a dollar ninety. Acrophobic before the home corner, a head clear from up at the outside. Ellsberg about to make a line of three on Chow. Then Eliza Beale and Calgary Queen wins of War Black Duke. Rainbow Connection and Aim are going to ride the rail and Exo Boom out wider. Ellsberg after Acrophobic. Rainbow Connection cut through. Eliza Beale is there and Exo Boom is coming out wider. 150 to go. Ellsberg tackled by Rainbow Connection. Exo Boom's coming hard out wider. It's Rainbow. Connection and Exo Boom. They take the lead together. Exo Boom! Exo Boom won the Guineas in the last hop and beat Rainbow Connection. Thirds a three way go. Black Duke, Ellsberger, Eliza Beal, then Aim, Calgary Queen, Acrophobic on Chow and Windsor War. The Peter and Paul Snowden, father-son combination, have a very good run of success at this Hawkesbury meeting. Yeah. And they came to the fore there yesterday with Exo Boom. Lightly race, has never missed a check and didn't miss one yesterday. Got first check. No, and probably well known. There's a pretty decent boom on him. He's been sent out favourite his previous five starts, winning twice, but beating a dollar sixty first up. And punters sort of shied away from him yesterday, out to eight dollars. Ellsberg seemed to have its chance. Yeah, he was sort of disappointing compared to what we saw there first up at Randwick, particularly mm. as we'd seen the private eye form line stack up earlier in the day. Exactly right. And uh, Sweet Deal, she went out on a winning note, uh, winning the, the Hawkesbury Crown. She's been a very good mare. She's going to the chairman's sale in Sydney there on Friday, and John Thompson said her, her new owners should look seriously to bringing her to, to Brisbane and have a crack at the tiara So before they she heads off to stud. An honourable mention to BRC committee and Richard Morrison, who <laughs> shares in the ownership of Impasse, who won the last race at, uh, at Hawkesbury yesterday, trained by Matt Dunn. He wasn't shy in giving it a good chance to anyone who bothered to speak to him yesterday either. $41 to $31. Pity he didn't back it. <laughs> or did he? <laughs> or did he, Richard? <laughs> anyway, that was Hawkesbury yesterday. Well, it's about past the post for this morning. So next week we're going to the Gold Coast, Aquas Park Gold Coast, a host of feature races next week. Yes. Of course, the Group 2 Hollandale, but also on the card, the Gold Market, the Gold Coast Guineas, the Bracelet, the Gold Coast Cup, 2,400 metres, the Ken Russell for the two-year-olds and the Silk Stocking. So seven feature races and next Hollandale week. should stack up really strongly. Worth noting, Mugger two trials on Wednesday ahead of his tilt on the Dooman Cup in three weeks. We'll listen to that during Racing Active during the week. Nathan, thanks for that. Look forward to you being with us uh, over the winter months. Thanks, Dave. It was good to be back. Nathan X will be joining us here on Past the Post. And most importantly, thanks for your company. Hope you enjoyed the last hour and look forward to being with you again next Sunday. And I look forward to being with you again tomorrow morning when uh, we have our regular panellists on Press Room. Until then, bye-bye.